Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah! It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Steven Lankford did on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number, of course, if you want to weigh in on anything today. Do want to talk about that Giants win as they move to 35-21 and 21 on the season, taking on the Chicago Cubs at home, who were 32-23 and 23 up until last night, which was leading the National League Central, and... You know, I I don't know how this series is going to go, but my initial reaction here is, you know, if they win this series, then I think that at this point in the year, when you're in the month of June, you're, you know, you're, you're getting toward the summer times of baseball when you're kind of in a lull. And this is where sometimes people stop paying attention to these certain teams because you're really in the meat of the season heading into the all-star break. And, uh, this is where teams are made, right? Well, getting this win over the NL Central Cubs and not only that, but the way they got that win. Now, it started off a little ugly because you had Jock Peterson almost hit a home run already in the top of the first. Thankfully, it got robbed. Shout out to you, uh, Steven Duggar. But Jock Peterson, yet again, hits one into right field. It goes, what, 427 feet. It goes into the water. Uh, That one, for me, was just... Uh, it was soul-crushing, because I, I got to be honest, I know he's a Palo Alto guy, Bay Area zone, whatever, and we're supposed to support our uh, Bay Area people, but when he was a Dodger, I couldn't stand Jock Peterson. I just can't stand him. There's something about him. And then when he hit that splash hit, I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> I have my hands in my face, and then I saw the slow-mo replay, he does the whole tongue sticking out thing, and I was just like, oh, bro. <laughs> I can't stand it. But, look, nevertheless, it was 2-1. It made it a 2-1 ball game. And then, in the fifth inning, uh, the Giants had actually tied it up. It was 2-2. And then in the fifth inning, with two runners on, Brandon Crawford, after already making some nice plays on defense, he had that barehanded grab at shortstop, which is just only the type of play that Craw could make. But Brandon Crawford, in the fifth inning, does this to right center field. High drive into right center field. Hit very well. Out of here. He is the best. And he does it on a 3-0 pitch. And just like that, the Giants lead 5-2. to How about that? Credit to NBC Sports Bay Area for the call. Of course, that is one Dwayne Kuyper. And... Man, just stay hot, Brandon Crawford. It's pretty amazing what he's done ever since the uh, the end of April. Because at the end of April, he was hitting uh, 205, 
And then to start off the month of May, he went two for four with a home run, and then he upped his average uh, to 227. And ever since then, ever since the start of May, I always go back to this, he's hitting 298 with a 406 OBP, a 643 slugging percentage, a 1.049 OPS which is just amazing when you get it above one. He's got eight home runs and 26 RBIs, and now he has upped his average to 255. So bringing it up 50 whole points within a month and continuing to stay hot. And, you know, (laughs) you got to admit, you know, when you look at players like, let's just look at Chris Bryant, too, for example. Contract year is a beautiful thing. (laughs) And a contract year when you got those guys who are fighting for some sort of spot next season. Brandon Crawford, no idea what's going to be happening to him uh, after next year, especially when you got, you know, these young uh these young infielders, these position players in the farm system which are ranked second uh in the MLB pipeline. I think that Crawford is playing for something and he knows at this point you can't be stagnant. He can't be stagnant. I do think that he wants to try and win another championship with the Giants. I don't know. Probably not going to happen with this team that they got right now, with this roster they got constructed. But it was a beautiful home run. And I will say this. You know you know, you know how far it went? 422 feet. 422 feet. And it was to the deepest part of the ballpark. And if you're going to tell me that changing the dimensions of the ballpark... Uh, did it make much of a difference? Well, two guys you need to talk to are both of the Brandeds with Crawford and Belt. Because really, I, I, I couldn't tell you that if the field was where it was originally, I don't know if that one's going out. <laughs> I just don't. That one, to where it was, to how close it was, just to where the wind was knocking everything down, there's a possibility that that one would have been knocked off the top of the fence. And sure, they would have got a couple of runs out of it, but it gave the Giants the momentum that they needed, um, especially after DeSclafani hit that double uh, uh, to tie the game. So uh, shout-out to you, Brandon Crawford, and shout-out to the dimensions of the ballpark. Here's Gabe Kapler after the game talking about Crawford's home run. Yeah, it was it was an off-the-charts game for Craw. He knew that that he was going to get a fastball there from from brothers, and um, he was ready for it. It was a really, really impressive swing, obviously. The ball wasn't carrying great tonight. I don't know if you guys noticed that, so that ball was uh, hit very well. And and to your point, Andy, he was playing a great defensive game as well, and Petty on the bases had a great year so far. And here's one thing from Crawford so far that has improved the most to me. Uh, It's just not only his patience at the plate. He looks way more confident, but you know, the analytics with baseball, they have this whole thing with barreling the ball, right? You know, getting it square in the middle of the bat. You hit it 95 miles an hour or more. Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky just came walking in with Krispy Kreme donuts and just ultimately made my day that much better. But the barrel percentage on Brandon Crawford this year. Actually, you know what? Let's go back to the years previous, ever since 2015, since StatCast started tracking this stuff. I know all you people are like, well, you, 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 you people who hate analytics and all the numbers and stuff, you're like, Stephen, why are you doing this? Well, I love that sort of stuff. And from 2015 on, here's a percentage of the amount of times that he has barreled a baseball that he's actually hit. In 2015, on, 8.7%, 5.4%, 5.8%, 3.6%, 5.4%, then last year it was 9.4%, and that was through a 60-game season. So, I mean, at, at, in 2015, 87 That was the highest. Ever since then, nothing higher than 58 which is not good. If, you're, if 5% of the balls that you're hitting are only getting barreled, that's not good. But this season, 15.7%. 15.7% of the balls that he's hitting, he's barreling and squaring up. So that just shows me, when you look at that number right there, that he's seeing the ball better, he's working deep into counts, and he's swinging at pitches that he wants. That's something that goes unnoticed uh, within baseball nowadays, and that's what guys like uh, Mike Trout, whenever he's in the game, uh, Juan Soto, hell, Chris Bryan is on that list too, but it's swinging, it's not only just swinging at, you know, uh, pitches down the middle and crushing them, 
but it's also swinging at the correct pitches and, and, and being patient with it. And I think that Brandon Crawford has done a terrific job this season of doing just that ever since the month of May because he is just... He's just made a meteoric type of rise uh, in the past month. So we'll see where his average is at toward the end of June, see if he can keep it up. But Brandon Crawford, it always feels like he hits these home runs in clutch situations. Uh, another guy I do want to point out is Anthony DiSclefani. Yet again, another good start, bouncing back after giving up 10 earned runs, six innings pitched. Uh, of course, gave up the two-run bomb to Jock Peterson that we talked about earlier. Only struck out four and uh, now has a 3.5 ERA on the year. And, and the thing I like about DeSclafani the most, and I think this carries over to the rest of the starting rotation, but none of them really ever look rattled. you know. And they don't show much emotion, and Gosman does from time to time, of course, we know what Cueto does. Cueto does the shibby and, you know, chewing the bubble gub, takes the hat off and, you know, puts it in between his arm when he's walking off the mound. Uh, sometimes we'll get a little animated, but that's as much as he's going to do. Uh, Anthony DiSclefani doesn't show much emotion, and I like how even-keeled he is. I like how even-keeled he is. Even in that game against the Dodgers where he gave up 10 earned runs. At that time, I'm just thinking, like, this dude... You know, <laughs> all these guys are hitting these bloopers off of him. It doesn't seem like he, there's any luck that's involved with uh, playing against the Dodgers with him. And, you know, some guys would look frustrated. But he doesn't look visibly frustrated when he's on the mound. He looks very even-keeled. The most amount of emotion that I've seen him show, the craziest I've seen him act, is when he hit that double. Is when he hit that double. And even then, when he was on second and he hit the run in, I mean, you know, he clapped a little bit, said, let's go. And then, you know, I, I think he's been waiting for that sort of thing. And Gabe Kapler spoke to that after the game, uh, just talking about DiSclefani, uh, that double, and also that strikeout on Jock Peterson he had toward the end of his outing. Yeah, oh, yeah, I actually forgot about the double. He's pretty fired up about that double. Uh, he said something like, it's about time. I guess he he prides himself on on swinging the bat well. It's, it's interesting. I never expect a pitcher to get a hit. I just, I consider it like in a bat where a guy grinds a little bit, sees some pitches, fouls off a few or, or gets a bunt down. I'm always impressed, but I, I never expect a guy to, to hit an opposite field double, particularly against Davies, who I think is a, a, a good major league pitcher with respect to his performance on the mound. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Uh, Jock Peterson was taking some good swings off of him. And then at that last at bat, Peterson put a, a pretty good at bat together. He was fouling off pitches and making it tough, and Desclafani hung in there and, and finally executed the pitch that he wanted to. The interesting thing about Desclafani as well, and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Desclafani at this point. And Gabe Kapler pronouncing it Desclafani might have changed my tune on things. I've been calling him Desclafani this entire season, uh, but the highest average that guys have against him is when they're going through the first time through the order. The first time through the order, hitters are hitting 250 off of him, um, and he's given up four home runs and seven RBIs. But the second time through the order, they've hit 179 off him, 179 with two home runs and 11 uh, and uh, and uh, 11 walks. And and the thing with uh, Scalfani yesterday, and I think that what speaks to it is you could tell the location was different. At first, he was uh, missing where Buster Posey wanted to throw to him. Jock Peterson was a classic case of that. You never want to throw high on, uh, on Jock Peterson. You always want to keep it outside. But he didn't locate his pitches that great in the first inning. It was the same thing uh, with Chris Bryant, too. But then after that, he settled in and made the adjustments and he was pitching these guys appropriately, and that's what ended up in the outing, only giving up five hits. You could just tell that there was something different as we got on and on into the game. And, you know, it is also a lot easier uh, when you're pitching with a lead uh, at that point. You got a 5-2 lead in the fifth inning. But he ended up lasting six and giving up five hits on the night. So shout out to Anthony DiScalfani. Uh, a couple of pieces of news. We'll see what the how the rotation works out and what they're going to do. But... Uh, Mike Yastrzemski and Logan Webb both put on the 10-day IL. And last night, how they worked it out, uh, they put Talkman to start off in right field. Then he moved to left. Then you had uh, Duggar in center field. And you had Alex Dickerson in left field. Then uh, once Alex Dickerson went out, shout out to Alex Dickerson, by the way, going two for four yesterday. Um, but... This is going to take some careful maneuvering. I like to go back to half-baked when Dave Chappelle's going on the date with this girl and he's like, I only had 10 books. 
This is going to take some careful budgeting and maneuvering. Well, with Gabe Kapler, this is going to take some careful, eh, not necessarily budgeting, but some careful maneuvering. So we'll see how this works out. But just another guy going on the IL, two guys going on the IL, both in important spots too. Logan Webb, you know, being that fifth starter is important. You got to give these guys some time off, give these guys some rest, and you know, we'll we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, but uh, it looks like you now. I mean. Probably that's how it's going to be is Dickerson in left, Talkman in right, Duggar in center. I'm sure Dubon is going to be taking some uh, uh, taking some outfield uh, outfield reps at some point. <sighs> Just tough. Just tough with all these guys going on the I.L. All right. Coming up later on on the show today in about a half hour, it's Langford's Long Balls, 545 every single Friday where I go through my five favorite home runs of the week. But coming up next... Want to talk about what happened with the playoffs last night? Is Dame Lillard going to be out of Portland? Wow. Wow. What a turn of events after having that 55-point in Tennessee game. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Uh, Happy belated birthday to McLovin. McLovin from Superbad. Turned 40 yesterday. June 3rd, 1980. What was his birthday? If you think I'm lying, go check out his license. It's posted everywhere online. It's the Hawaiian driver's license. And McLovin is an organ donor. And he's 25 year, he was 25 years old, by the way, uh, at that time when that movie was made. But turned 40. How about that? Happy birthday, McLovin. Ugh. Hey, I'm telling you, if you watch Superbad again and you haven't watched it in a long time, you will realize just how insane it is. Like at that time with the movie that was made, with uh, the jokes that were made, they would not fly in this day and age. I guarantee that it was it just felt like it was made at the perfect time. And the writing is perfect. It's 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 just perfect. So if you haven't seen Superbad in a long time, you liked it before and you haven't watched it, check it out. It's on Netflix, and help celebrate McLovin's 40th birthday. Shout out to you, McLovin. And to any of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I am sorry. Uh, Stephen Langford in with you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. In about uh, 23 minutes, we're going to get to Langford's Long Balls, where I go through my five favorite home runs of the week. Uh, we do have some rivals from the Giants and the A's, so I don't know if A's fans are going to like it too much. Uh, we have one from the Diamondbacks, and there's one specific player this week who has just been unbelievable hitting the baseball. So we'll have that in about uh, 23 minutes, 545, Langford's long balls. But I do want to get to what happened last night in the NBA because you had a couple of games from the Western Conference Both 3-2 series leads, one of them being for Denver over Portland, and one of them being the Suns over the Lakers. And they were two completely different games. And uh, let's just start off with the one with the Nuggets and the Blazers. So the Nuggets ended up winning 126-115. to And uh, the score, it may look like the Nuggets were dominating this game, but really... Besides Michael Porter Jr. in the first quarter, who put up six threes and had 22 points, which was just unbelievable. And you know what? Real quick, shout out to Michael Porter Jr. Shout out to Michael Porter Jr. Because ever since Jamal Murray went down uh, against the Warriors, which was just one of the uh, one of the more heartbreaking moments of the season, to be honest, especially when you're watching it uh, as a Warrior fan and you don't want to see that happen uh, to their star player against your own team, but. Michael Porter Jr., MPJ, has not gotten enough credit for how good he has been down the stretch. Uh, he's really picked things up, and I know we pay attention to Jokic so much, and rightfully so, because Nikola Jokic is just, has just been unbelievable. But uh, Michael Porter Jr. has picked up a lot of the slack um, that, uh, you know, that Aaron Gordon has left. There was a time where he was in a total shooting slump toward the end of the season, but Michael Porter Jr. kept it going. He's upped his defense. And, uh, you know, the first quarter last night was really where he was hottest because after that he scored only four points. But 
what happened in that game was the Blazers were dominating. They were dominating that game. They were doing whatever they wanted. In the first half, ooh, let me put up these numbers here. In the first half, they were shooting 57% from three and 60% from the field. Three different guys in double digits. You had Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and Norman Powell um, uh, in double figures. Now, McCollum did not have an efficient night at all, uh, but Norman Powell was one of those guys. And then eventually, when Robert Covington got in in the third quarter, uh, he started knocking down some threes. They were doing it with everybody. It wasn't just Dame. But in the fourth quarter, they just absolutely run out of, ran out of gas. They only shot 27% from the three point or from the field. They didn't make any threes. And it, it just felt like at that time, as the quarter was going on, they just started to deteriorate. And after they stopped making shots, man, I, I you just start realizing that like it's over. And and, and before we get to from the 5-1-0, why did LeBron not shake hands? Such a sore loser. I'll get to that uh, in just a second. But Dame Lillard after the game, posted on Instagram. You know what? Actually, let's get to the post-game quote first that I have written down here. This was Dame Lillard when he was asked about if they need changes this offseason. Quote, Obviously, where we are isn't good enough to win a championship. If it's not good enough to get out of a first-round series with two of their best three or four players not on the floor. Man, like you get that. And then you have his Instagram post where he quotes a Nipsey Hussle lyric, and he says, How long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meet preparation? And it's like, with Dame Lillard and the type of guy that he is, we know that the reason we respect him so much during this time, during this era where super teams are being created, the quote-unquote super teams, I officially hate that term now. These are just teams where they're just adding you know, good players at this point. I don't, I don't care for that term, super teams. But in that time... You know, you had Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. Um, you had LeBron going wherever he wanted to go. You have what the Nets are doing right now. But Dame Litter had always stood pat. He's always stood with the Blazers and given them the time. But this loss, this first round loss to the Nuggets, this has to be the worst one for him. I can't even go down the list of the times that Dame's been beaten the playoffs. But at this point, man, if you can't get some sort of victory here with Dame, if you can and you can't figure it out, man, the Blazers organization, what they've done for the past 15 years has just been a failure. If they can't build around Dave Lillard, like you have this dude, you have this star, and, and you can't do anything to help him. Nothing. Like in that game, 55 points and 10 assists, and they still lose. And then yesterday, they couldn't close out the game in the fourth quarter. Now, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Terry Stotts who goes and Dame stays? And then it's really Dame's team at that point. But really, would Dame want to start over with an entirely new head coach? Because you don't know what can happen. It could end up like the Pelicans, where you bring in Dan Van Gundy for a team that's on the rise and is supposed to make that next jump. And then you have, you know, Zion go off and doing what he does. But other than that, none of these other players seem that motivated by him. Like, that could happen with the Blazers, too. Man, I, I know we've, uh, you know, gotten to that point with Dame where we're just like, he's going to stay where he is. Like, there's no doubt he's going to stay with the Blazers. He's that type of dude. But... There has to be a breaking point with some of these players, especially with a guy that's as good as Dame Lillard. And I think last night, that loss to the Nuggets, man, I mean, it just, it, it, it might have sealed it for the Blazers in their time with Dame Lillard. But it all depends. Depends, you know, who's going to stay, who's going to go. Is it going to be Terry Stotts? Is it going to be CJ McCollum? Is it going to be Dame? I mean, I haven't even looked at the contract details. I'm sure they can, you know, any NBA player can work something out if they want to. But hearing that with the offseason, saying obviously where we are where we are isn't good enough to win a championship if it's not good enough to get out of a first round series with two of their three best three or four players not on the floor. And then him quoting Nipsey Hustle saying, How long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meet preparation? You know, I mean, you, you can only make so much of these lyrics, I, I you know, but I mean when I see that, I'm just thinking you know, Dame must want out of Portland. But also, you know, get some stars in Portland if you're going to. If Dame stays there, please help this man. 
Help this man, please. My goodness. Uh, And also, you had the complete opposite type of a game where the Suns played the Lakers and the Suns got out big early. AD got hurt and they just never let up as they got the the win 113 to 100. Felt like they had a 20 to 25 point lead for a majority of the game. Things started getting chippy when Kentavious Caldwell Pope went up for the block and and then it got called for a flagrant. Jay Crowder tried getting into it. Uh, it started getting chippy in that game, even though it just seemed over for the Lakers, and it just seemed like those guys gave up at that point. And from the 5 one I, I want to weigh in on this. This is interesting. Uh, let's see here. From the 5 one why did LeBron not shake hands? Such a sore loser. From the 5 7 LeBron has really shown his true colors this season. He's extremely whiny, ungrateful, and a really poor teammate. I hope he retires soon. He is bad for basketball. Oh, I highly disagree. He is a he's a villain right now. He's a villain. He's great for basketball. Every sport needs that specific villain. That actually uh that might be the problem with that, you know, one of the many problems with baseball right now is they just don't have that number one villain that everybody uh loves to hate. But I will say this, there was something that was posted where LeBron uh, met up with Devin Booker after the game, signed his jersey, and, you know, they exchanged some words and all that stuff. And so, you know, I mean, he left the court, but it's not like he didn't go up to those guys after the game. You know, maybe it should have been like Dame Lillard, where he stayed on the court, even though he knew they were going to lose to the Nuggets, you know, gives a high five to Carmelo Anthony and, and all of his teammates, and then goes out and congratulates Jokic on everything he's done this year. Uh, LeBron probably should have done the same thing, but I do agree that this dude, he should have stayed on the court. He should have. No, no matter what happened behind the scenes, like, you know, show some class. <laughs> it, it always feels like LeBron is just leaving, done, gone as soon as he loses, you know? And I don't know what he expects from these other guys. Like, if let's just say the Lakers would have won that series. I don't know if he expects the Suns to stay on the court. But at that point, man, when you're just leaving, you know, let's go back to that bad boys 30 for 30 when the, the Pistons walked off the court without even saying anything. Like it, it's it's that same energy, and at that point you're just like, come on, LeBron, you're you're you are that player, you are the dude in the NBA. At least show these other guys on the Suns some respect, especially with the team that has improved as much as the Suns have. You you, you should have stayed out there. You should have. I don't. You know, behind the scenes, whatever. You congratulate Devin Booker. You give him a signed jersey. That's great. But at least show something on the court, too, and show the fans, like, hey, you respect what the Suns have done. Because I can't imagine how Phoenix fans are feeling about that this morning. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to continue to weigh in on anything today. At 545, we do have Langford's Long Balls, where I go through my five favorite home runs of the week. Plus, Steve Kerr was on the TK show yesterday. And he had something interesting to say, and I want to get to that before we get to Langford's Long Balls. That's all coming up on this Friday. Going to be a fun final half hour here on the pregame show. Stephen Langford in with you on 95.7 The Game. Everybody get up. It's time to slam now. We got a real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Yeah. Hey, you, what you gonna do? <laughs> uh, something just came across my desk. I do want to get to what Steve Kerr had to say. Stephen Langford in with you up until 6 o'clock. And we're going to have Langford's Long Balls at 545 where I go through my five favorite home runs of the week because if baseball's not going to market their stars, then let me do it here on the pregame show at 5 a.m. <laughs> uh, oh, man. In San Francisco. I just awkwardly stumbled through that. Uh, this came across my desk. I wish I had a paper in hand so I could give you the sound effect. Every NBA player who's going to be starring in 2021 Space Jam, A New Legacy, has had their team eliminated in the postseason before the second round of the playoffs. How about that? I didn't think about that. Now, I'm not going to come in here and, you know, if you've listened to this show before, 
You've heard me rant on Space Jam. I'm not going to do that again because I know you'd probably tune out and I could talk about the entire time. You're not going to recreate the type of chemistry that Larry Bird and Bill Murray had out on the golf course. No, you're not going to recreate that. You're not going to recreate what you had with Muggsy Bogues and Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, Sean Bradley, Charles Barkley. You're not going to recreate any of that. You're not going to have Wayne Knight fixing a divot in this new Space Jam. All right, I've the rant over. But I found that interesting. Everyone within the new Space Jam has had their team eliminated in the postseason before the second round. We had Anthony Davis for the Lakers. Obviously, he went out yesterday uh, with the injury, and the Lakers couldn't come back in that game as the Suns uh, just kept on scoring, and Devin Booker put up 47. Dame Lillard and the Blazers, they couldn't get it done. Then another guy, Clay Thompson who hadn't played all season, and I don't even want to throw him in there, but Klay Thompson is in the movie, and the Warriors did not make it to the second round of the playoffs. And I hate saying that name, and Joe's looking at me like, what the hell are you doing, Steven? Why'd you have to do that? But I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's, just, it's, 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 it's facts. It's very unfortunate. And I'm just, I don't want to see that new Space Jam movie, I'm, I'm telling you. Too nostalgic for the old one. All right. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, but Steve Kerr, he was on the TK show, Tim Kawakami's podcast, and he spoke about a variety of topics everywhere from, you know, the classic, what's James Wiseman going to be in year two? How's his development coming along? How's Clay Thompson looking? Uh, you could just follow along with Clay Thompson, by the way, what's going on with him. If you want to see what's going on with his life, it feels like he's being documented left and right. Uh, but Steve Kerr talked about uh, what he meant when he said that they are looking for some veterans, him and Bob Myers, at that end-of-the-season po- uh, press conference. So Tim Kawakami asked him about it, and here's what Steve Kerr said when he talked about what the Warriors are looking for this offseason. When we say we need veterans, I think some of that is just, kind of wherewithal and know-how, you know, it's it's veteran leadership, veteran presence on the court in big moments. Those things are important, you know, regardless of the position. And I think our team was pretty young this year. And, and you know, even, even you know, Wiggs and, and Kelly Oubre, even though they've been in the league now for a few years, you know, they're, they're, these guys aren't, you know, what you would call like seasoned vets. You know, they've, they've, uh, they, they haven't, you know, been in the playoffs a ton. I think both of them played in you know, our one series, maybe Oubre played in two. Uh, but they're still pretty young guys and, and still um, could use some veteran experience around them to help them. I, I just think all in all, adding that experience at a couple of positions, regardless of positions, is just important for, for the overall well-being of the team. And I also think it's going to be important that he uses those veterans in the correct way. Because what was happening with the Lakers early on when they just started using Andre Drummond instead of Mark Gasol, you're, you're just wondering why the hell are you doing that in the first place? But the most important thing to me, and what I've realized after this first round, now, you, you granted, you can't really look at the Nuggets in this situation and say, yeah, they're surrounded by veterans who have that playoff experience, but I look no further than the Blazers, you know, the Blazers are the type of team that could use some veteran help around Davia Lillard. Sure, they had Robert Covington, uh, Norman Powell, still relatively young, and you had Carmelo there too. But other than that, you didn't really have a lot of veteran leadership with the know-how and how to handle playoffs and everything surrounding that. So when I hear Steve Kerr say that, I just think really it's not only – you know, getting veterans just to play through the regular season who understand what it's like to grind, but it's guys who you could use in the playoffs. It's guys who understand it. What do those veterans look like next season? I don't know. I don't know. Who's it going to be? I don't know. We got we got plenty of time for that to work out. But when I hear Steve Kerr say that, Bob Myers did the same thing at his end-of-the-season press conference while at the same time saying that on the morning roast as he joined uh, the show later on in that week. When I hear Draymond Green yesterday, you heard the morning roast play that sound time and time again, what he said on TNT. And you know what? Shout-out to Warriors Twitter, by the way, for catching what Draymond had to say there. But when he was talking, uh, he said uh, that you can't have on the Wizards, when he was talking about Bradley Beal, you can't surround these guys with a bunch of rookies.
And, you know, maybe he was talking about the Warriors. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just giving some, you know, actual analysis on the Wizards because Draymond's damn good at that job. But I do think there is going to be that that temperature inside the building that is hot for some veteran type of players. And it makes you wonder what's going to be happening with the draft, whether they're going to be making any trades, any of those sort of things. But when I heard that from Steve Kerr yesterday, I'm just like, you know, time and time again, they have reiterated that they're going to be getting veterans. They want veterans. And it makes you wonder what's going to happen with these younger guys. What's going to happen with James Wiseman? Because, you know, he did say on the TK show, he did say that, you know, look, James Wiseman, we expect him to be great in the second year. You know, and his development is coming along, and and all those different things. It's by by all accounts, it sounds like Wiseman is going to be playing for the Warriors next season. But also, when you hear all of this veteran talk, you never know what could happen, and you never know what opportunities can come to the forefront. You really don't know, and, and we'll see what happens tonight. You know, you have another three two series with the Clippers and the Mavs. The Mavs are up. Uh, if if the trend continues within the Western Conference, any team that's been up 3-2, will they end up winning this series in six? And if the Clippers and the Mavericks, if if it comes to where the Clippers are done, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, those two names are going to be talked about for a long time. <laughs> a long time. It's going to be a fun discussion on 95.7 because it's going to turn into Kawhi or Paul George. But really, I'm actually just hoping for a good series at that point. I really am. Before the second round, I think the Clippers and the Mavs, it's been fun to watch. Um, Luka getting hurt and all the drama that's surrounding that. The Clippers not able to close out that last game. It's the Mavs who go up 3-2 when they're in L.A. I wouldn't mind seeing them tie the series, but if the Clippers do lose, man, whew, there's going to be stuff that's going around. And from the 925, let's go get Dave Lillard. Hey, look, that Instagram post, along with those comments after the game, like, you know, it's, it's, I think they would choose Dame Willard over Terry Stotts 10 times out of 10. But will Dame Lillard want to choose Portland? And that is the question uh, going into next year. All right. It is 545. And as I like to do every Friday, it is Langford's Long Balls. Let me get all these home runs ready here because I'm not going to lie. I didn't have these prepared. And when, you know, sometimes when you don't have a producer, you know, you got to get these home runs prepared. All right. We have had a ton of home runs this week. Right now, we have a three-way tie for the lead in baseball at 17 home runs. Fernando Tatis Jr. is the headliner of those guys, and he has been fantastic this week. And not going to lie to you, you are going to be seeing a appearance from him in this situation. But number five on Langford's Long Balls, what I like to do is play my five favorite home runs from the week because baseball just doesn't tend to market these guys and it doesn't tell the story that they need to because there are so many home runs hit. But if you really sift through it, you can find those five cool home runs that actually have a story behind them. So, number five, we go to Taylor Trammell, and I'm sorry, Ace fans, that I have to do this. Yeah, I think the other part about it, too, is wow, this is it. Tagged out to right field. Taylor Trammell, welcome back! I will be really curious to see where this young man goes. Talk about struggling. He struggled his first time through. They sent him back to AAA. He was hot down there, and here he is in his first start being called up. The ball pretty well his first time up. Yeah, Taylor Trammell there getting the home run off Chris Bassett in that game on Tuesday uh, against the A's. And the thing for me that stood out among this, with this home run, well, first off, it was his first game back since being called up from uh, AAA. Now, unfortunately, the reason that he was called up in the first place is because reigning Rookie of the Year Kyle Lewis uh, had to go on the 10-day IL with a torn meniscus or a partially torn meniscus. So they brought up Taylor Trammell, who is one of their top prospects, didn't play too well at the start of the season. They put him back down to AAA. He got recalled back up. Then he hits a home run in his first game back. I thought that was a really cool moment. Plus, he just stared at that thing. 
he, 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 as soon as he hit it, he knew it was done. And it hit the Toyota sign uh, over in Seattle's field. So shout out to Taylor Trammell for getting that home run. All right. Number four on Langford's long balls, we have Paven Smith from the Diamondbacks. Swing, and there it is. You ask, you shall receive. Three-run homer. Paven Smith and the Diamondbacks right back into the four to three. My goodness, was that ball leaned on. That almost went up in the concourse of right field. That's how far he hit that ball. Now, we all know what happened with the announcer and them going after Marcus Stroman, uh, you know, saying some uh, subtly racist remarks. And now that D-backs announcer is uh, taking a week off. But that was the radio call. And, of course, they did that on TV. But what was happening in the game is Marcus Stroman does what Marcus Stroman does, which is talk trash. He's a lot of fun when he's on the mound and he's actually dealing with a lead because they were up 4 nothing at this time in the sixth. But Paven Smith, with two runners on, hits this home run. But the thing to me that made this the most impressive is because they almost got into it. You know, the benches cleared with Marcus Stroman, and he was talking mess to uh, David Peralta. And, and, and look, you know, I don't know what was being said. Nothing was going to be made of it. But Paven Smith comes back with two runners on and hits a no-doubter, and he just stared at it. Just stared at it. And so shout out to Paven Smith. You're number four on Langford's Long Balls this week. All right. Number three on the list. In the air center field. See you later. Absolutely crushed. Tommy Baez will touch him all a rocket. And just like that, it is 2-1. Wow. Javi Baez has had a hell of a week, and this was the first of his two home runs against the Padres in this game. But that one, Baez crushed it. It went 455 feet. It was 110 miles an hour off the bat, and he just stared. He just looked at it, flipped his bat, got pumped up coming around uh, uh, coming around second base. It was just a sick home run to see. I recommend you go back to Monday's game and check that out when Javier Baez hit one to center field, and then he goes on to hit one later on for his second home run of the game. So Javier Baez, that is good enough for number three on Langford's long balls. Now, there were a couple of walk-off home runs in the past week, but I wanted to single out this one. Shout out to you, Robbie, not Rex Grossman. Here's the payoff. Fly ball, left field. Frazier going back, measuring it. That ball is good! We're going home on a two-run game winner! Chuck, we talked about Grossman, the, the, the guy at the right time. Take a look here at this fastball, guys. Right over the middle, head down. And Grossman knew right away when he makes contact, that ball's gone. It was a 3-2 count. They're down 2-1 to the Yankees. You have a runner on base. Then Robbie Grossman crushes it to left field, and it was a no-doubter. Now, it didn't go that far over the fence. Only went, what, like 340 feet. But, you know, overall, that home run was sick to watch because anytime you could get a walk-off against the Yankees and you're doing it with the Tigers, I've always liked Robbie Grossman. I thought he was one of the more underrated players when he was uh, along with the A's. And now seeing him do that when he's with the Tigers, hitting that walk-off home run, I thought that was a pretty cool moment in this past week. All right, so at number five, we had Taylor Trammell and that home run he had against Chris Bassett. Number four, we had Paven Smith and what he did against the Diamondbacks after Marcus Stroman was talking a bunch of trash on the field to his own team. At number three, you had Javier Baez with the Cubs the first of his two home runs against the Padres. It was sick in Wrigley Field. And, you know, Wrigley Field, actually, there were a lot of home runs here uh, hit there this week. Number two was Robbie Grossman and the walk-off that he hit against the Yankees for the Tigers. And number one, this guy is tied for the home run lead right now at 17, along with Ronald Acuna and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., But Fernando Tatis has had a hell of a week. Last night, he hit another one and also got the game winner when he stole home on a wild pitch, and he went all out on that play. If you want to see some fun baseball, watch Javier Baez go home on the wild... Or, excuse me, watch Fernando Tatis go home on the wild pitch. But 
I have to go back to last Saturday. Whew, down 6-3, to three, two runners on. Tatis against the Astros. And a 1-1 to Fernando. Fernando hits one of the air down the left field line and is headed towards the pole. It is headed onto the tracks. It's a three-run home run. History in Houston for Fernando Tatis Jr. With two outs in the ninth, the Padres have tied it up 6-6. to Unbelievable. Now, it said it went 449 feet, but he hit it off the glass in Houston over the tracks. If you could just picture Houston, I believe it's Minute Maid Park. If you could picture Houston right now, you know where the tracks are at. And any player who hits it over those tracks, you know he's hit it a long way. But watch Tatis in that swing. He turns on the fastball. It's right down the middle. I don't know why anyone pitches to Tatis anymore. But as soon as he hit it, he just stands in the batter's box, knowing that he tied the game, and he stares. He stands there with his hands to his side. He's got the bat to his side, too. No emotion on his face, and he's just watching it. Then as soon as it hits off the glass, tosses his bat toward the dugout, runs around the sec- runs around second base, then puts a little shimmy at third with some swag. Man, Fernando Tatis is so fun to watch, and that, my friends, makes him the long baller of the week. Shout out to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was last week's long baller of the week. He's still cracking home runs, but Tatis in this past week has hit four home runs with nine RBIs. Now, he struck out seven times, but the way that he's done it this past week, the swag that he has, I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr., he's good enough to be the long baller of the week this week. You'll see that there's a trend that a lot of these stars, a lot of these guys who could hit for a ton of power, uh, they're normally the log ballers of the week. First, uh, The first one was Ryan McMahon the first week that we did this uh, from the Rockies, but that was just because he hit three home runs in one game. But Fernando Tatis Jr., good enough to make it here. And some honorable mentions, uh, Salvador Perez, he actually led the league in home runs in the past week with five, and he had ten RBIs, and he actually crushed one for like 450 feet. It was 113 miles an hour off the bat. Austin Meadows, he's had four home runs and 11 RBIs, and he hit one off of uh, Garrett Cole yesterday in their game against the Yankees. Miguel Andujar, Javier Baez, Dylan Carlson, Avisail Garcia, James McCann, Tyler O'Neill, Jonathan Scope, Brian Reynolds, Patrick Wisdom, all with three home runs on the week. And then, of course, Ronald Acuna Jr. had a couple of more this week as well as he's tied up there for 17 home runs for the league lead. That'll do it for Langford's Long Balls. Huh. Good God. Whew. I'm not going to lie. I'm sweating right now. I'm sweating. never thought that talking could get sweat, could induce sweat. As I'm trying to stumble my way through this and improvise here on the fly. However, there is one home run that I want to play just right at the beginning. Right at the beginning, as soon as it was hit. I just love it when announcers are in the middle of saying something. And when the pitch is thrown, they pause for a little bit. They pause just so you can hear the crack of the bat. But Jalen Trammell, the home run call here. I just want to play the beginning real quick. Yeah, I think the other part about it, too, is, wow, this is hit. Like, like, what other reaction are you supposed to have there when you see it crack the way that Trammell cracked it? Yeah, I think the other part about it, too, is, wow, this is hit. Tag. <laughs> it's just like, wow, that was hit. That was hit pretty hard. <laughs> hey, from the 415, when we get some Giants home runs on Langford's long balls, my guy, lack of rec- representation, SMH. Oh, contraire, my friend. These past two weeks, I've had Austin Slater. The two separate weeks. Isn't it funny that Austin Slater is the dude? I was thinking about it, man, and it, it was tough. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Mauricio Dubon was up there. What he did in L.A., hitting it off the foul pole. But when I saw all these other ones, when I saw all these other home runs, I'm just like, Argh. Mauricio Dubon there is a close six. And also a couple of others. Uh, Chris Bryant hitting one in Chicago. Knocked over a dude's beer. You know, he didn't hit it far. It got right to the end of the feds, but it knocked over a guy's beer. When you see it, you just see a bunch of beer splash over into right field. 
Then also, Ryan Mountcastle from the Baltimore Orioles. I don't know if you saw this, but the Orioles were playing the Twins, and Mountcastle hits one that looks like it could stay in the yard. And forgive me, I'm forgetting the center fielder's name because I just thought about this off the top. But uh, the Twins center fielder is going back, going back, fails to understand that the warning track is right there, and he smashes into the center field fence. Now, he turned out to be okay, but the best part about this is the next day the Twids made a joke of it where they made it look like uh, one of those th- the, those times where they outlined the body after a death, you know? They did that with the Fed, so they put tape all around it because this dude had no idea the fence was there. Wasn't even paying attention to the, tw- to the warning tracks at all. <laughs> For the 5-1-0. Love that even Langford long balls gets critiqued. Hey! Hey, man, Langford's long balls. Hey. (laughs) Oh, man, it does get critiqued. But, you know, like I'm telling you, the thing is there's so many home runs hit, and I get where everyone comes from where you want guys to hit for average and you want to see triples, you want to see stolen bases. I get all of that. I really do. And there's so many home runs hit. Like there's a ton to sift through. But if you really look at it and you look closely, there are some cool stories that you can find behind these hits. And also, you can find just a cool game-tying home run like the one Tatis hit uh, last Saturday against the Astros. All right. That is going to do it for me. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. Let's see how the Giants do against those Cubbies. This is a big series for them. Getting that uh, getting that win last night was huge. But the morning roast, they're coming up next. You got Bonte Hill. You got Kate Scott. You got Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky as I open up the dock here. And I don't know why I'm delayed every single time this happens. Mars Valinus. Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers is going to be joining them at 7 o'clock. Then Marty Morningwig at 8.15. So stick around. Tune into the roast now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.